0: Insightful, provocative, opinion shaping conversations that matter. Your host is Jim Blackburn. During this broadcast, you'll hear from guests who are taking uniquely different approaches to life and their work environment, and you are invited to take part in the conversation. Now, here is Jim Blackburn.
1: It's that time again. Welcome to the serve hour and a conversation that matters. And wherever you are and however you are listening, Thank you for making us part of your day. Our topic of conversation today is about how to promote the value and potential of other people. Is this topic of importance? You bet it is. People in business leadership positions, as well as other influencers, such as parents, teachers, ministers, and yes, even salespeople, all need to be aware of something. How a person feels after an interaction with you is going to directly impact how influential you are in that moment. Unfortunately, in today's world of busyness and multitasking, too many people leave interactions feeling not heard, talked at, sold, and ultimately devalued and demeaned. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host for today's conversation, And my special guest in conversation with me discussing how promoting the value and potential of other people plays out in the workplace as well as at home is Rebecca Bagley, Vice Chancellor, University of Pittsburgh, and who with her husband, John, is a parent of young daughters, Darren and Evan. And as you will soon discover, Rebecca is much more as a person than this description of her various life roles indicates. Rebecca, thank you so much for participating with me today in this very important conversation.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, Rebecca, before we begin discussing today's topic, let's make sure that our listeners know that we we sincerely invite them to participate in conversation with us. So write this down if you're listening live, because we want you to call 866-472-5790, Or you can email me at jblackburn at serve, and that's spelled S-U-R-V-E, partners, dot com. And if you're listening to our podcast, please feel free to email me at jblackburn at servepartners.com. Okay. How to promote the value and potential of another person is the topic of discussion. And it begins with a simple to understand action yet this action is extremely difficult to execute. Let me say that again. It begins with a simple to understand action, yet this action is extremely difficult to execute. Every one of us has a need to be heard. And when we feel heard, we feel valued. So the action is to give another person voice. Allow this person to speak and share what's on his or her mind sounds simple, yet this is extremely difficult to execute. Why? Because of our preoccupation with busyness, multitasking, our own stuff, because of the urgency that occupies most of our lives, because we all have our own agendas that occupy our thinking. So Rebecca, Given that the various business organizations you've led were focused on economic development, investment banking, technology, et cetera, please share your insight of how what we are discussing was a challenging issue in your workplace and how you were able to overcome it.
2: Yeah, thanks. You know, it's fascinating as you move through your career because, you know, at first you're being led um, by people, but you have, you know, some – role and in, in leading what you do if you have a good manager and so you you see you know good leaders bad leaders you see people that empower you see people that don't empower and then as I moved into my career in different um, leadership positions I started I knew what I wanted like I wanted I could I could kind of feel the environment right I wanted people taking um, responsibility for what they were doing I wanted um, a, a environment of good feedback of team contribution, but I did not know, um, how to execute against that. You know, I think my instincts were good, but I think that's when you talk about the kind of devils in the details or the execution. It's, um, really in those areas that I think that, you have to be extremely thoughtful, a lot of times work with somebody you know to help walk through that um, process because, as you talked about, we each have our own perspectives and our own agendas, and so how you shape in a team environment as a leader that idea that you value people and that they're empowered to into their work and that they have ownership of the work and of the organization as a whole. Is one that takes consistent behaviors. It takes reinforcement, um, and it takes the right type of value of people and listening through that process. And so I've I've been on a journey, basically, you know, for the twenty some years of my career to be able to get to a point where um, I can lead like that. And I think that it is authentic to me. And comfortable but yet there was still this skill set that you had to gain in ways that you thought about things and I use that both in my personal life and in my professional life
1: can you be a little more specific about the skill set Um, I'm picturing various business environments or meetings where someone calls a meeting and you have participants in the meeting but the person calling the meeting has the agenda, uh, has control, and quite frankly does most of the talking. How, How were you able to grow up in an environment that probably had a lot of that going on and see that possibly it needed to be handled differently? And if so, how did you
2: handle it differently? Probably the realization, I, I had this bite, this sense that it wasn't quite getting to where I wanted, but the time where I was able to really exercise and dig deep into kind of why and how to transform that was at Nortech And so I led that organization for the last six years until recently, just the end of the year. And so I was hiring a team. I was hiring a very high-level team um, who had a lot of experience. A very diverse team um, of younger professionals, older professionals, diverse backgrounds, races, everything. Engineers, non-engineers, and what I really wanted was a environment where people highly contributed. What I found was exactly what you said. I'd go into the team meeting, um, you know, that we were having at the time weekly. And I would talk at people, there might be a few people that contributed, but not everybody would contribute. And some of the people that I felt could add a lot of value based on their experience to the team and to the organization were not talking in those meetings um, or were not actively participating. And so, you know, basically I ended up um, finding you (laughs) and um, in that process you know, we got a different, well, it's, it's so interesting because when I was thinking about it, I was like, well, I know how to do this stuff. Like I know how to, to work with people and I know the environment that I want, but you know, I don't have the right tools. So how to hire, how to run meetings, how to reinforce with, um, with job, uh, descriptions and with, well, responsibility areas is what we call, what I call them now. And then, um, also with, um oh I'm sorry, reviews and like how you're giving people feedback. And so that system I didn't felt like reinforced what I was trying to to build as a culture and a team. And so that's what Serve, you know, I thought was going to give me and I guess what it gave me was that plus the opening opening my thought process even more to be more authentic and the same at home as I am at work in a way that lowered stress. And I feel like I've had more impact than on people. So it gave me tools to to help with that organizational piece. And that's really important to have the right tools in place. But you also have to have the environment um, on top of that. And so, it, it you know, that process and thinking through it and leading through that, you know, really gave me both.
1: So if, if I could maybe pull together what you've shared, which um, is uh, really important for our listeners to get their hands around, um, one, of the, one of the takeaways is that how a person leaves a meeting mm-hmm. is how they're going to uh, enter the workplace after the meeting and how they're going to engage with others. And typically, what happens in most business meetings is people sit and listen, and one or two people talk and uh, Correct me if i 'm wrong, Rebecca, but you you reversed that process mm-hmm. in fact you yeah. didn't even run, you didn 't even run the meetings
2: right yeah you, we, we totally reverse that process so we so for our team meetings, instead of doing one a week, um, we did one a month. And my direct reports would get together in that meeting. Um, We also did like a full team meeting that was more of a report out as well, just to, you know, exchange information. But we were clear that this meeting was to exchange information. Um, But the the transformational team meetings, basically there was a person um, who was leading the meeting that was assigned, and that person rotated. And there was a person that was taking the action items out of the meeting, and that person rotated. But I was an observer, Um, in the meetings. If I had a set of questions that I wanted to ask, I was able to do that and participate in that way. But basically, what it allowed me to do was a a couple of things. One was be able to give people ownership over their what they were bringing into those meetings and what we were going to talk about. So they would bring in their challenges they would bring in the descriptions of what they were doing, which were brief, and then the challenges they were facing in order for other team members to to kind of test that. And it was questions only. You know, it wasn't, I'm going to tell you how to do your job. It was, here's the things that I think, uh, the questions that I have that will help you think through the answer to to what is is your challenge in your job right now. And then I think the other um, uh, interesting thing is that, again, that rotated. So I was able to see how somebody led a meeting. I was able to see how somebody was able to digest notes and feedback to the group what they heard. And for us, that was extremely important. And for most organizations, because your people are out there running meetings. They're out there running sales meetings, stakeholder meetings, whatever that is. And if they have challenges on digesting information and feeding it back to the group, for instance, and that's something you want to know because you want to be able to um, get them some you know, assistance uh, to be able to do that better or at least recognize that they have some challenges so that they complement their skills with others. So that, that was how we kind of ended up doing it, and it gave me so much insight into how people, my team, interacted externally as well.
1: So um, as I'm picturing what you're sharing with us, this- uh, one, everybody had a voice in that meeting. Everybody had something that they uh, had a responsibility to share or say. Correct? Correct. And which is, which is critically a, important. Go ahead.
2: I'm sorry. I think there was an expectation, too, that you would participate. You also saw if people weren't asking others questions, then they weren't really participating in the full organization they were thinking more about their piece of it and not necessarily the full organization. Which
1: is, uh, we're going to touch on this more directly uh, later in our broadcast about creating collaborative and and inclusive cultures. But the important thing that I'm hearing is, one, when when Rebecca was asking questions or people were asking questions, it's important to distinguish between asking questions to gain additional information or to provoke thought. Would you say, Rebecca, that most of your questionings were more about provoking thought in the participant uh, in the meeting?
2: Yeah, and, and you know, it's especially interesting as a leader and with hierarchies. You know, when you ask people questions or when you make a statement, people tend to outweigh that statement um, with, with others, their peer sets. And, and that was another thing that we were trying to break down. But um, so yes, absolutely. It was. I'm I'm pushing your thinking on an issue that you're dealing with. I'm not handing you the solution,
1: which is a form of promoting somebody's potential. Right. See, potential. We define potential as a latent excellence that may or may not be developed. And this is not about a skill set in a person so much as a way of thinking, and reinforcing their self worth, their self esteem. And um, uh, respecting their opinion and their point of view.
2: Well, and I think, you know, it, that reminds me of a story earlier in my career when I was at the state um, government. I worked in the Office of Technology Investment and then I got promoted into leading the Office of Technology Investment. And so when I was in the office, I was sitting next to a guy who was about two, two and a half years from retirement. And so I saw his productivity. And it was very low. Um, And so when I took over the office, I sat down with each person and walked through, you know, where they saw, what they saw as their role, what they saw as opportunities um, to either expand their role, what they saw for opportunities improvement more broadly in the office. And when I sat down with him, um, I said something to the effect of, I've seen what you do on a daily basis. I sat next to you. I am excited that, you know, you're moving towards retirement, but I expect a full work day out of you until we get there. You have a ton of knowledge about the programs. You've been managing this program for 25 years. We need to transfer that knowledge so that we can be better, you know, going forward than you just leaving and all that knowledge going with you. And I'll tell you what, he was so invigorated by that responsibility that he now had that he had information that people needed, that he had a relevant role in the organization, and that he needed to make sure that there was a legacy behind him and I tried to promote that at every point, you know, of our interaction. So I'm not sure I got the full work day, but I got a heck of a lot more than we had before that. Oh, the beauty of that again
1: is you demonstrated a great deal of respect and again you challenged which is a form of promoting potential and and helping a person feel valued helping a person feel that they are a contributor now we're we're up against a break unfortunately because I'm really getting into what you're sharing here and I wanted to uh, actually hear a little bit about how you how you translate this also at home um but let let me do this very quickly, and then we'll take a break and come back. And I want to I want you to take us home, and talk a little bit about how um, this plays out at home. Um, what I'd like for our listeners to take away from what you've just said is um, the the important to ask more than you tell, and in 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 asking, understand the difference between seeking information and provoking thought you are promoting growth when you're provoking thought. And and focus on what the other person, how they're feeling after the interaction. Um, It's critically important that they leave you feeling lifted, feeling heard, and feeling valued. Um, So giving people voice and challenging them is a form of promoting that potential. so, Rebecca, let's take a quick break. Uh, and for our listeners, this is the Serve Hour. You are in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with host Jim Blackburn, that be me, and special guest Rebecca Bagley, Vice Chancellor, University of Pittsburgh. Um, we're discussing how to promote the value and potential of other people. When we come back, we'll touch base with Rebecca on how she's doing this at home, but we're also going to discuss... Um, the challenge of how to select people who are open to this type of environment, where they are being pro- their potential is being promoted. So we'll be right back.
3: making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network live wherever you go on iphone blackberry or android download it from the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market
0: would you like to have a personal conversation with jim blackburn the host of the serve hour he's available and is interested in hearing from you and what might you expect when you visit with jim These are some of the things that people are saying.
1: Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously.
2: Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships.
0: If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you. This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to blackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back to our conversation about how to promote the value and potential of other people. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host and I'm in conversation with special guest Rebecca Bagley, Vice Chancellor, University of Pittsburgh. Welcome back, Rebecca.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: You know, Rebecca, before we broke, I was pushing you a little bit to talk about how you're doing at home relative to this promoting the value and potential of relationships and other people. Can, can you take a brief minute and touch on that?
2: Sure. You know, it's so interesting because I've said to people over the last few years that, you know, you really need to be the same at home as you are at work. And we're like, well, that's not possible. And it just kind of dismissed that concept. But I, I think what I mean by that are there's some critical sort of value of people skills that you tend to bring to work because it helps in, you know, impact and execution. And then when we walk through our home door, it's about tasks. It's about getting done what we need to get done. It's about the list and it's about the plan for the next couple of days and the calendar. And I think you know, bringing that value of people home and making sure that you are focused on people. And so, just a you know, an example is I started to realize that I'm a very fast conversationalist and thinker, and I'm an extrovert, and so I can gather my thoughts very quickly and respond. And when I was in discussions with my husband, I wouldn't interrupt him, but right at the end of the sentence, I would start talking. And so what's happening is when I would take a moment of silence at the end of his sentence, he would have another sentence that he was going to say. And so he would be able to finish his line of thinking in a way that I think has really grown our relationship over time. I think if I have time, just, you know, one more interesting example that just happened last night. So it's like 9 o'clock at night. My 8-year-old is um, crying that we never, I never pay attention to her. And so my gut reaction to that was, all I do is pay attention to you, you know, that there's all of this time that we spend together. And, you know, I feel like I move my schedule to be able to, for instance, take her out to lunch today and things like that. But I thought, well, take a deep breath. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, you just don't spend time with me. And I said, well, what does spending time mean? What would that look like? What would we do together? And so I started to ask her a set of questions instead of just reacting um, to, you know, my point of view of what she was saying. And so we had an interesting discussion about it, and I got some perspective on how she um, views some of these uh, interactions and things that we're doing together as not really doing things together and why. Um, and, I, so and, how old, helpful. and how old She's is she? Eight. So, you're, you're, and this is
1: really important uh, for me to hear about you're relating to your eight year old respectfully. And you're, you're, you're saying to her, your opinion counts and I'm interested. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's a big part of parenting today that unfortunately is missing, again, because of all our busyness, multitasking, and the fatigue that we feel when we come home and then and we have all this new set of uh, relationship challenges. So, uh, Rebecca, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, what I want to do, I want to jump forward here for a second. Not everyone can work in the kind of environment that you've been talking about. And what I'm talking about is identifying people who are open to the opportunity of fulfilling their potential. Would you share with our listeners how you turn the hiring process upside down and focus more on who the prospective employee is rather than his or her work experience?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of that starts with knowing who you are as an organization and what you want from your employees um, and, and really what that process is that determines a good fit. And so, as you mentioned, it's not necessarily all about past experience and skills. Um, That's really a determinant of, I would say that's to decide who's not right for the organization. And then to determine who's right, you really need a process that reflects, I guess, a day at the organization in some ways and also gets to what are the person's core values. And do they match the organizational core values and the the ways that you um, work on a daily basis? So just an example, and we can get more into it, but the resume. Um, So we created the res. Only the hiring manager saw the resumes, so they went through the stack of resumes. They used it as a tool to um, determine who was not right for the position. The people that were right for the position, they would tend to maybe do a telephone interview um, with to then get a sense. And then once we brought people in, nobody else saw those resumes because nobody else saw those resumes. How did that go over? Well, it was interesting the first time we did it. So the idea is that the hiring manager, and in our case, we're not a big, you know, we weren't a big shop, so we didn't have somebody in HR looking at it. But the hiring manager who's responsible for the position has determined that these people have the skill set necessary for the job. So they have the background and experience that feeds into the job. What then the colleagues and the rest of the organization needed to see is, are they the right fit? And I think that, It created a lot of stress the first time we did it because it was such a different proposal. And my engineers and, and, you know, people who were used to thinking, you know, having the resume and asking specific questions about their skills and experience and determining whether that was right or wrong felt very uncomfortable that they didn't have that crutch, basically, to be able to get to know this person.
1: So the, the idea, if I can expand a little bit on what you're sharing, Um, is, in finding the right fit, what you're looking for is if the people in their past have demonstrated various core values, Um, for instance, uh, the value of uh, uh, resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. Um, In the interviewing process, then, were your interviewers asking questions about how they made decisions what they based their uh, decision on, what the motives were, um, how they dealt with failure, and on and on in the various areas of their lives.
2: Yeah, so you hit on a lot of the types of questions that we could ask. So we ran them through a process of meeting um, with different, like sometimes in a group, sometimes one-on-one. It was a couple-hour process. Um, that, depending on how many candidates there were either culminated in a meeting with me as CEO or you know we brought back a, a smaller set um, of people into that uh, final meeting, and so each group or person had a um, something that they were looking into more deeply, and so you know they could they could speak of other things, but the idea was. Um, you're going to dive more deeply on how they handle conflict, or you're going to dive more deeply on um, how they describe, you know, their past experiences. And then when it came to me, the most fascinating part for me is I did a questions only interview. So I would take maybe, I don't know, um, just a, a very short time and say, you know, a few things about the organization But mostly I would flip it to them and say, okay, so my one question is, you've been through all this process, you've met all these people, you know, tell me how you view the organization and the the role. And so I would have them talk for a couple minutes about that. And I say, okay, the rest of the time, and we would spend usually an hour together, is for your question. And so that also plays into resourcefulness, right? Because they weren't told it was going to be a questions-only interview, but it was fascinating. For instance, in, in, in one, I met with um, two candidates for a, a certain position. And the questions from one candidate were very tactical. How do I like my talking points being written? How do I like, you know, this? What do I think, you know? The other candidate was a visionary discussion. Where do I see the organization going? How do I view, you know, certain things? They got to the idea of how I like things, but it was through um, a really proactive, more growth-oriented discussion. And so they were really trying to see how I saw the world, not necessarily just my task-oriented reactions to things. And they were equal candidates going into that um, interview with me. And so it was fascinating that the questions only was such an incredible opportunity to see how they thought.
1: I mean, here's here's something that I observed as I watched your organization go through this, and again, it's back to promoting the value and potential of people. Typically, organizations say, we've got a candidate coming in. I want you to block out some time to interview them. Here's the resume. Do your thing. In your organization, what you are really saying to your people is we have candidates coming in, I want to know what you think about them as a fit in the culture. I'm interested in your opinion, and I want you to focus on these specific areas, which is showing you, again, how your employee can take responsibility and actually feel more valued in your organization than just being asked, hey, would you interview this candidate without any direction? That's number one. Secondly, I think your organization did an excellent job of setting up an interviewing environment that mirrored the workplace. Those interviews were pretty stressful, weren't they?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think. And that that is definitely a point that I wanted to bring up. It's like how the person felt and the hiring manager would meet with them at the end of the day. So were they drained? Were they invigorated by the conversations they had had? And so you also get a sense of the person through how they reacted to that process
1: which which again tells you a lot about the person. The other thing is, uh, again, people are coached in how to be, go into interviews. <laughs> okay. Uh, these people, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Rebecca, they were stunned when they weren't asked the typical questions that they were coached to answer or prepared to answer.
2: Well, the people that we hired through this process, obviously we got to talk with them afterwards once they were hired into the organization. And they were saying most of them valued, all of them valued the process, but were like, wow, it was the strangest interview process that I ever went through. And, you know, one other thing that jumped to mind is so – most of the time, most people in the organization, regardless of, of role, had a role in, hire, in, in interviewing people. But like when they would come back to meet with me, my assistant would reach out and schedule, walk them back. And so I would also always ask her, so how did they seem? What did they do? And it was fascinating. I mean, when especially, this never happened internally, but when I was on external hiring committees or chairing external hiring committees, the frostiness or the rudeness that they would have, and then all of a sudden they'd flip in my office and be this really engaged, interesting person, but yet, you know, had treated the receptionist or my assistant who was walking them back with some disrespect, and so I always made sure to ask that chain of people that were interacting with that candidate what they thought, and so they got used to that and would provide feedback on that, too.
1: Well, again, Rebecca, which is another skill set, and by the way, we just got an email Asking about skill set that I want to go over with you. But that's another way, again, of saying to your people, I value you. I want to hear your opinion. You are an important part of the organization. Your opinion counts from the receptionist on, which is critically important. Um, we just got an email from Susan, and um, she says, Thank you for promoting the value and potential. Um, Rebecca. Um earlier you were talking about a series of skill sets. What specific skill sets are you talking about that you feel you have as a leader of an organization that sets you apart? That's a tough it's,
2: question. It is a tough question. <laughs> Um, it's an interesting one. So let me—I mean, maybe I'll just talk a little bit, and hopefully, a couple skills will come out of it. But I, I think that, I, as I mentioned, I do have an inherent value of people. But through my career, I have—I ha- I have an ability to see other people's points of view, or at least be open to them and listen to them, trying to take away judgment. So I think that when you ask somebody, because like the example I gave about my daughter last night, when you, um, your first reaction, and sometimes we have to control our first reactions, right? So it doesn't mean you don't have the right skill set if your first reaction is not, um, is not, it doesn't fit into the model that we're talking about. But if you can control that first reaction, take a step back and approach a situation differently by asking questions. So I think... I had an inherent sense that people were the organization. You know, I'm working in knowledge environments. Well, I think this is true everywhere, honestly, but people are the organization. And if you had a motivated team of people, you could accomplish more. And so paying attention to people, giving people, I suppose, the benefit of the doubt, although I'm not sure that's exactly the words I want to use because I do believe in challenging them. Um, So, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, well, let, let uh, me exact. let me jump
1: in uh, real quick because uh, Brad's telling me we're up against another break. These, these segments fly by, don't they?
2: They do. It's really fast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Susan, the question you're asking for Rebecca has uh, you know, unique innate ability to be able to focus on people mm-hmm. while she pays attention to things. She's been running very technical businesses with a lot of engineers a lot of scientists, uh, economic development people, et cetera, et cetera. But, and, 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 Rebecca, this is my takeaway from being with you over the past few years, is your ability to see the person and hear the person and seek what that person's thinking and feeling and hold them accountable for that. Uh, you, one of your skills that you may or may not realize is you have the ability to ask the second question. A lot of leaders will ask a question and immediately rebut the answer. I've watched Rebecca ask, well, the example was with Evan, your daughter. Uh, you're, you have, you must have asked her three or four questions for clarity. And that is a unique skill set that not many leaders have in today's, uh, workplace. Uh, we're up against it, Rebecca. So let's do this. Let me remind the listeners this is the serve hour and that you're in conversation on the Voice America Business Channel with host Jim Blackburn and special guest Rebecca Bagley, Vice Chancellor, University of Pittsburgh, discussing how to select people who are open to the opportunity of filling their potential. When we come back, Rebecca and I will be discussing how to create an inclusive and collaborative culture that promotes the value and potential of the individuals performing work within the organization. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Would you like to have a personal conversation with Jim Blackburn, the host of The Serve Hour? He's available and is interested in hearing from you. And what might you expect when you visit with Jim? These are some of the things that people are saying.
1: Jim, over the course of an hour, taught me about self-awareness and my personal blind spots. This was a very simple concept that I probably have heard many times before, but never with the detail and the explanation of how it would impact my business and relationships. This started a 10-year relationship that I value tremendously.
0: Jim helped me see the difference between multitasking things and multitasking people. Being fully present with other people creates immeasurable value in those relationships. If you or someone you know would benefit by having a conversation with Jim, he can be reached by email at jblackburn at That's S-U-R-V-E partners.com. Or by phone at 919-969-2522. Jim will respond to you as soon as possible and looks forward to hearing from you.
3: What does a visual workplace mean to you? Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: This is the Serve Hour. We know you have something to say, so take part in our conversation today. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to blackburn at servepartners.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back to our conversation. You are listening to the Voice America Business Channel and the Serve Hour. I'm Jim Blackburn, your host, and I am in conversation with special guest Rebecca Bagley, Vice Chancellor, University of Pittsburgh, discussing how to create going forward now, discussing how to create an inclusive and collaborative culture that promotes the value and potential of the individuals performing work within the organization and why that's so important. Rebecca, Share some of your thinking on this.
2: You know, I think we've been talking a lot about people and the value of people, but ultimately, too, in the organization, you have a set of goals. And so I think, you know, some skeptics, when they um, look at how, how I talk about, how we talk about um, the value of people, say, well, how does it actually then move into the organization? And I think when you have a set of people who are clear on their responsibilities they take individual responsibility to execute against that, the productivity of the organization can be compounded. And I saw this at NorTech, where we only had between 16 and 19 people through the life of, of my tenure there. And people would say, you only have 16 people? How are you everywhere like this? And it was because people knew what their responsibilities were. They understood that, for instance, that one of the examples that I've used in the past is, our person who was responsible for events, if she called a meeting about an event that we had deemed as a team was a, as a critical event for the organization, it was just as important as if I called a meeting on a topic because the, this was critical to the organization. So she could pull the VP and you know, her peer and whoever into the discussion that she needed to make sure that we executed that event as well as we possibly could. So basically the productivity is an increase because she doesn't have to go up the chain of command, the boss be in the meeting, you know, all of those different things. It was who's relevant to that discussion and how do we push forward. Rebecca, to... oh,
1: let, let me just jump in for a minute because that particular person uh, is of interest when we talk about responsibilities. Uh, when we interviewed her when we first met the Nortec organization, and ask her what she was responsible for. She said, well, I do events. Um, I do this, I do that, and so on and so forth. And we said, yeah, we understand that. Now, what are you responsible for? Mm-hmm. And she just looked at us. What she ended up, what she came back with is, I am responsible for facilitating and conducting world-class events, mm-hmm. which was very different than I do this, I do that, etc." Uh, and I think, Rebecca, you can comment on it. I think that made a difference.
2: I think it really did. And, you know, you just brought up a really interesting um, point that, that I'm kind of learning, you know, as I enter into a larger organization is there's a, collaboration is not necessarily just bringing everybody to the table. So creating that team environment, um, when I first, before, you know, we started this work, I would, if there was an event that I wanted to know something about, I'd email three people in the organization because I didn't know who was responsible for it. I was the CEO, and I was like, "Well, let me email these three people. Somebody will be able to get me the answer." And so, once we went through that process of responsibility, I'm then able to email one person. If she doesn't know, she'll get the answer because she's responsible, you know, for it. And that way, again, creating efficiencies. There's not three people scrambling to answer the CEO's question. There's one person who's responsible, who knows that, who can either answer the question or can get the answer. And I think that's some confusion around a team and team building and collaboration. Collaboration is not having everybody at the table. It's having the right people at the table who can, who can both organizationally and personally gain value out of that discussion. It's also, you know, in this team environment, it's somebody has to be responsible and take the lead and shepherd whoever they need through the process of getting the right information. doesn't mean they make all the decisions independently in a box. It means that they're responsible for making sure that the the decision has organizational backing. But they're responsible
1: for it. The other thing that, that you're touching on is communication and information sharing in the culture you're creating people do not have to know everything Mm -hmm. because they trust that their colleague knows that their colleague has taken responsibility so there's not this mountain of emails going around in this glut of information that's being exchanged that quite frankly is not productive Mm
2: -hmm. well let's just keep playing out that example for what she was responsible for so nobody asked her how are we doing this? Who's on the panels? How do we? I mean, basically she came to us in a, in a team meeting format or she would call a meeting and say, we don't have the right level of speakers at this event. Who do we? And so she would ask us. We weren't constantly just having her give us information because we assumed and she, and she was very good and we held her accountable and, um, and made sure that she continued, um, to, to, you know, be productive, and that was all in the kind of growth enhancement process and the review process that we had yearly. And so, I think it's Say, it's
1: Rebecca, creating... say, that, say that again.
2: What, what was I your said. annual review process called? It was
1: called a growth enhancement process. It's too bad we don't have time to talk about that. Maybe another time. Keep <laughs> going. I that, I found that to be kind of interesting.
2: Yeah. So I think it would be good to talk about that. Um, but. I think, you know, going back to the, the point on this is that you constantly reinforce that. So, for instance, um, when I first started um, in the organization before we went through some of these processes to, to really um, sort of create this culture, I had people stopping by my office all the time. Rebecca, what do you think about this? Rebecca, how do you want to approach this? It was, and I was answering, so I became the answer person so a lot of my day was spent answering how they should do their jobs and so as we transformed this i got so many less questions so many less disruptions to the day if something was critical if it was you know if there was really a need it wasn't me making the decision it was i'm going to schedule 15 minutes with you because i need your input as i move forward in this decision
1: well and so well, again and-
2: productivity of the ceo in essence,
1: in, in essence, when you're answering all those questions, you're doing their job for them. Exactly. And when things don't go well, they very capably can say, well, I just did what you told me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So really, really good point. Touch some more on, on, on the values within your organization and how you were using the behaviors of the various people to remind them of the core values.
2: Well, so this will touch a little bit on the growth enhancement process, but um, so we, we determined the, a little acronym, which was GRIP. So growth, respect, individual responsibility, and passion, that those were the things that we valued in the organization. So growth is doing same things differently, doing different things. That helps innovation, it helps grow the organization, make it more impactful. Um, respect, that was respecting internal colleagues. That was the listening and valuing people. That was deadlines. It, you know, If you had a colleague who had a deadline and you weren't giving them information, you were breaking our core value of respect. Individual responsibility was some of what we were just talking about around the position. And then passion, we really believed that with the work that we were doing and, and with, with your work in general, that you have to keep up a, a passion about that and that being invested in that is, is, um, you know, a wonderful, um, aspect of this work. And so how we would do, for instance, if, if there was some problem with, with one of my employees, we would have the discussion in the context of which of our core values were they not living up to, or were they breaking, um, in, the actions that they were taking, and so the core values became the hiring tool, the management tool, the leadership tool—something that we could really use and internalize as we built this culture of inclusion.
1: Wow. Well, the The thing that jumps out at me is your clarity. You know, people talk about what you and I are discussing here as soft, feely, fuzzy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's soft. I think it's hard. I don't think it's fuzzy. I think it's crystal clear, and I thank you for sharing the the acronym, GRIP. Um, I find that to be um, very compelling, and um, it is feely. It's hard. Um, What what you're really talking about when we hold people accountable and we're, we're stretching people to help them fulfill their potential is they're going to fail more often than not. And how you, and this is another skill set that you have, Rebecca, is when someone doesn't climb high enough on that first try and they skin their knees, your ability to respond to that in a way that was encouraging as opposed to demeaning, I think contributed greatly to the success of the young people that you had working in that organization.
2: Well, and um, I think, you know, one of the things I was thinking as you were saying that is I tend to suspend judgment in some situations, you know, meaning, why didn't you do this? Why didn't it be, you know, better? I think that, and and particularly, of course, you'll have people in your organization that are not living up and, you know, you have to go through that process. But the people that are striving are living the values are you know making a mistake here and there in their in the context of their um role. I think you really have to suspend judgment, understand um what they were thinking through that process, make sure that you know you don't create an environment where they don't make decisions anymore because they you know had a challenge with the decision that they made, but that you know, that the the empowerment of their job that they're able to figure out themselves how they would visit that differently so that they don't end up in that same situation. And so I think really um you know I in a way I, I, I create relationships with people very quickly and then if they disappoint me over time, you know, that's a different a different um challenge. But I think, you know, one of the things you said is they'll disappoint you um more often than than not. And I think that was something I really, I guess, struggled with in the beginning of looking at things differently like this and, you know, and how to orient my thinking around looking at the opportunity for growth versus, like you said, um, saying, well, this wasn't right or you should have done this differently. They really have to, I mean, the more people can come to their own conclusions and drive their own decisions, the more invested they will be in themselves, in the organization.
1: Wow. Rebecca, unfortunately, we're approaching the end of our broadcast. This has been tremendous. Um, Let's summarize, or let me try to summarize quickly and jump in here for our listeners with some takeaways from what we talked about. In promoting the value and potential of people, ask, don't tell, ask the second question, and ask questions that provoke thought, Focus on the other person, see the other person, and be aware of what they feel after the interaction. Everyone has a need to be heard. Are you letting your people be heard? On attracting the right people, the skill sets that you are looking at is their ability to really embrace grip. Will they take individual responsibilities? Do they have and demonstrate respect? do they have the passion, etc.? And regarding the collaborative culture, um, promoting the practice of listening, asking versus answering and telling, collaborative conversations, and being selective with who's part of that. Um, Rebecca, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time here with us today. This has really been uh, a great experience for me, and I'm, I'm sure our listeners have taken quite a bit from this. Um, Our next broadcast, Oh, and thank you, Susan, for the email. That that question uh, was very timely. Our next broadcast will be next Wednesday, July 1st at the same time. Our special guest will be Maury Shekman, the author of Working Without a Net and an expert on managing disruptive organizational change, creating growth-oriented, self-sustaining corporate cultures, in developing leaders who impact bottom line results and quality of life. Our topic of conversation the unspoken truth about the consequences of success. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. This has been the Serve Hour with Jim Blackburn and special guest Rebecca Bagley.
0: Thank you for listening to the Serve Hour's provocative conversation. Please rejoin your host, Jim Blackburn, during the Serve Hour, each Wednesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel.